So you're a regional coordinator. How many churches does that kind of involve overseeing, and what, what does your region cover? Okay, thank you. Um, I've got 100 churches uh, in, in two regions, but um, it goes from Blythe in Northumberland down to Kingsling to Malvern and then back up taking in Glossop. There's 100 churches. There's 270 credential ministers. Um, there's 28 female ministers and I've got eight female ministers who are leading their own church. Rachel's one of them. She's doing a fantastic work. Yeah, fantastic. In yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Great to have her. What does, you, what does your role involve, Paul? Pastoring you. <laughs> Some things are more challenging than others. It's a joy. <laughs> uh, so it's pastoring pastors mainly. Yeah, yep. it's pastoring pastors. It's, it's trying to encourage churches in their growth and also uh, making sure that Pastor Phil and Pastor Rachel are healthy um, in their well, well-being, that they are all that they can be because they're doing well in themselves. Very good. You're doing a great job on that. Thank and, you. Um, I know you've got a little bit of a heart for Birmingham itself, haven't you? Do you want to say a little bit so about we have four. Thank you. So we have 14 churches in Birmingham. All of them have been led by wonderful men and women. I think there's a... Is there a what's the population of Birmingham? Is it a million? 1.4 I mean, million. I'm asking the people who live in Birmingham. Well, nobody, nobody admits to living in Birmingham. Yeah. They, <laughs> oh, all say, they all say I'm in the Black Country or the West Midlands. Or... 1.3. <laughs> there's a lot of people. Uh, and there's a lot of churches. And it's tremendous. Um, but there is a lot of people that still need to know about Jesus' love. And so my heart is uh, working with our 14 churches, with their ministers, to start to think of how we can help one another. Just how, how you have been doing over the years with Wheeler Castle, which is tremendous, um, but how we, we can help one another, but also how we can expand um, into this city. That's on my heart. For brilliant, Birmingham. brilliant. And I'll pray for you in a moment Thank before you, you speak. Um, just a quick thing about membership. Why is membership? A couple of things about membership being okay. good. So um, when, when anybody comes into membership of, um, of a church, everybody else in the church should say, oh, that makes sense. Um, because that person has already decided that this is their church. They're not going to church hop, you know, like TV channels. Um, that Pastor Phil is their pastor and the eldership, and they, they're saying, you know what, I'm going to allow Pastor Phil and his team to pastor me and shepherd me and help me to follow Jesus. This is a community of people that not only look nice, In the main, <laughs> but actually, I can. I want to. I want to commit myself to them, and play a part. Whether that's, I don't know. I'll. I'll go and help with the children. Um, I'll be on the welcome, but I just want to make this place the best place it can be. Um, and fourthly, when I'm. 
in my work, in my neighborhood, in my family, I can, with a nice spiritual sense of pride, if that's possible, to say, yeah, I do belong to Encounter Church, a church that meets on Exeter Road. We're a great community, and I want to tell you about this church. And fifthly, wherever I am, to be not only a follower of Jesus, but to be an ambassador of Christ. And if I, if I bring people to faith, it's this church that I will bring them, if possible, I will bring them to this church for them to grow in Christ. Those things are in our heart. If those things are in my heart, uh, I may not be perfect in all those five things, but if those things are in my heart and I really want to see the, the vision of this church growing and that involves my time and my, my, my finances to God will flow through here, then um, why not? Why would I not want to be known as a member of this church? Yeah, I think I will. And that's the easiest way into membership because it's already happening in my life. Is that a good answer? Yeah, really good. That's not bad, was it? No, it's really good. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. So next uh, Sunday evening at 6.30, if you'd like to join us for now, we'll look at the history of uh, a little bit about Pentecostalism, Elim as well, and um, Encounter Church and what a member means. 6.30. You can sign up for the back. That's great. Let's pray for Paul, and uh, that'll be lovely. Lord, we do thank you uh, for your word. We thank you regularly for your word, your written word, and how you gift people to bring truth and uh, challenge and encouragement. Lord, we do thank you in 2 Timothy 3 where it talks about he equips us, the people of God, for every good work that you have for us. So we do pray for Paul this morning and we pray for ourselves, Lord. Help us to receive all you've got for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Paul. Thank you. It's lovely to be with Phil and Wendy and um, are they doing well? Yeah, it's been great. Um, and it's lovely to be with them. And there's other people, obviously, I know the eldership team here, but I also love to see my friend Paul here as well, and Gary and Jill, and it's nice to see you, and uh, everybody else. Uh, I, uh, nice to see you as well. Are you happy? Wonderful. So you're in a series right now, aren't you? Eh? Well, no, this is the test. Um, you're in a series that you've been taking notes, and um, every Sunday morning you've been racing to the church to get into this series. And it's about a certain character, isn't it? He has a name, and it begins with P. And his name is... Well done, thank you. I really needed you here this morning. What's your name? Kayla. Kayla. Brightest spark in the room. <laughs> I swear, somebody at the back there said Paul. <laughs> Peter. So, I, it's a joy to be able to uh, uh, be invited to come and speak into that series uh, when you're looking at the encounters um, of Peter with Jesus. And I'm going to take you to a uh, a familiar passage, which is in Matthew uh, chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Um, this is the second time I've preached this message today. The first one was at Willie Castle. When I preached this message, throughout the sermon, people were weeping and wailing and jumping on their chairs with great joy. And there was a tremendous move of God through this message. So we'll see 
how it goes here. Um, <laughs> so, don't look at me so serious. Some of you are really serious. I'm going to come and tickle a couple of you. You've not laughed in years. I'm going to come and help you, okay, with the joy of the Lord. If it either comes by the Spirit or the flesh, but... It needs to come. Okay, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. That passage has been used and will continue to be used until Jesus comes back. In every generation, right across the globe, oh my goodness, has that been a comfort to the church and to every preacher and every person in the pew. That actually, there are days when we are just so thankful that it's not my church. <laughs> so thankful, you know, that it's his church. So thankful at times when I don't need to build it <laughs> or claim to build it. But Jesus said, I'll do it. Oh, my days, what a great passage this is. And there are two billion of us. There's two billion of you and two billion of me, Christians, Jesus followers, and every single day 60,000 on average find Jesus and follow him. And he's doing an amazing, awesome, tremendous, wonderful work right across our world through all generations since the day he said to Peter, I'll build my church. And it doesn't matter whether you know, the community of the church is in a lovely building like this and they always like coming here. It's just a lovely place. Or whether it's a smaller group, um, like in Wheatley Castle that I've come from and they're renovating, they've renovated their building. It's looking smart, nice. Actually, I, I have a little um, catalogue of, um, as I go around the churches every Sunday, a little catalogue of rating the toilets Uh, one of the encouraging things, I said more than this, but I said other things to encourage them. I told them, you've got the best toilets. I mean, really are. I mean, if, if you don't like these, it's not too far to walk. Um, <laughs> they're doing a great job in that building. So whether in large settings like these big cathedrals, whether in smaller churches like Willie Castle, or maybe just a small group of a handful of believers under a tree because they can't afford their wooden structure as they will... F- Facebook me, uh, message me uh, most weeks to say we had a great time under this canopy. It's the church. 
group of people that he's building. So I want to share with you this morning how he does that. How, how, how did Jesus say he would do it? And um, how is he doing it? Firstly, I want to say is this. Jesus is building his church through you. Not through an individual, not through a person, a pastor or a priest. It's through you, through ordinary people, me. And you are more than enough. This is not the first time that Simon receives this new name. Um, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, he's come, his brother has brought him to Jesus. He's a second disciple to be brought to Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus says, um, and it's not out of the ordinary uh, for God to, to do this throughout Bible history. You find God changing the names of people. Uh, some some are, you know, uh, make sense. And uh, some you just wonder, I don't see a change. Like Sarah's name was changed to Sarah. And I don't know if you may have had the, the, the deep meaning behind all of that and understand it perfectly, but I just see it, that it, it took a hair out and put an eye in. But anyway, um, and, and, and Jesus does the same thing. And he comes and says to Peter, Comes to Simon and says, Simon, you're going to be called Cephas. And Peter, uh, you, we don't want to call you Simon anymore. We're going to call you Cephas. I don't know what your name me- means. I don't know if you care about that. It depends on what culture you're in. Um, I, I spent 22 years going to Africa. And um, um, in Africa, names are really important. Um, and in some other cultures as well. Um, my name is Paul. Um, it's my second name. My first name is Andrew. Andrew Paul. Andrew means macho, big manly guy, you know, big strong biceps and like horrendously fierce. And, and, and Paul means small. And um, my parents being cruel before the days of safeguarding and um, they, being crew parents, they say, we're going to call you small all your life. Uh, and I don't know what your name means, but um, Jesus said, I'm going to call you rock, courage, firm, Simon. That's what I'm going to call you. And here we are, and... Second time. And I don't know why he's calling him the second time. Why he's telling him your name's going to be this. I don't know whether it's because he hasn't been using the, the right name or whether he's been really truly believing it. But it, 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 he's coming again to him and telling him, listen, start using this name. And, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly what, why, but I, I, I can hazard a guess that when 
when um, Peter is running away and he's denied Jesus and he's a deserter and he's wondering whether, you know, whether he's, he's even accepted anymore. What Jesus said about him would have helped. I, I, can, I can guess that when he's running away, um, wanting to just return to be a fisherman, and Jesus goes looking for him to bring him back post-resurrection. Uh, I'm guessing that the name Rock Courage Firm of what Jesus says about him helped him. I, I'm guessing that when, when, he, when he stands up before the early church, before the church, and he, he's really nervous. You know, when you stand up before people, have you, anybody ever stood up before people? Anybody stood up here? Yeah, it's really nervous. I mean, it's nerve-wracking looking at your faces. Um, <laughs> and when you stand up before people, well, when he stood up before the church, and every, everybody else knew he was the denier, and like, you know, he knows that, oh no, it's going to be written, and you know, 2,000 years later, everybody's still going to know that I denied Jesus, you know. I mean, some of our sins, you know, nobody knows about, thank God, eh? Oh, am I just talking to sinless people? I don't know what I mean. But, and you're just so thankful that actually nobody knows about those things that you, you did do and the things that you wanted to do if you'd given half a chance. But um, Peter stands up and in front of the church, and I think at those, that moment, I think he's realising that actually what's really important at times in our life it's not what I think about myself when I look in the mirror because I know what I've done and I know who I am and I know uh, everything. And, and it's not even what the person who's closest to me who knows everything about my life or the people that have slandered me or said things about me or hurt me or whatever. But actually there are times when I stand up that I'm so deeply grateful for what Jesus says about me in the Word of God, that I am a new man and a new woman in Jesus Christ, that I'm a creation of Christ, a new person in Jesus and it doesn't matter what everybody else says I can still keep going and doing life because Jesus still believes in me I think that's important for him you see I'm going to build my church on people like this who carry a vulnerability who carry an honesty about their life, who can't cover up stuff, but fall continually upon the grace and the mercy of God. That's the gospel. And that's what Jesus does. And in this community... That's what he's doing in you. And there will be moments when you're thinking, I'm not good enough for this and God can't use me on this. I'm not as good as that person, etc., etc., etc. But it's this that reminds you that what he says and what he does with this man is what he does with every man and woman in this place. So I'm going to build my church through you. 
And secondly, I'm going to build my church through where you are, no matter how difficult it is. I'm going to do something. I'm going to put my presence and my power. I'm going to create a kingdom culture. And I'm going to build it in a place where you may not think I would do it. Let me take you into that. I need your imagination. You followed Jesus for two days over rocky terrain and you arrive in a region called Caesarea Philippi. It's made up of several villages. Caesarea Philippi. The name means Pan, which was named after um, the fertility god. And you, you don't know this, we don't know this in our culture, but every, every person reading this or hearing this gospel being spoken and the disciples going into Caesarea Philippi know exactly what they're going into. This is not a Jewish place. This is not Jewish faith. This has got nothing to do with their culture. There is, there is absolutely complete opposite to the people in Caesarea Philippi and who they are and their following of Jesus. Polar opposite. And on top of that, and you can research this, look at this yourself. It's easier to do. You just go, <laughs> Rock of Ages in your search engine and um, Caesarea Philippi, and you read about it. Just read it, just read it. In Caesarea Philippi, it was well known that there was a place, um, a, um, a pilgrimage place um, called the Rock of Ages, and it's a hundred foot, it's still there, it's a hundred foot cliff face and in the cliff face in the crevices they would place all their false gods, shrines, statues in every, the whole cliff face was just littered with every false idol religion that you can think of And at the bottom of the cliff face, it's dry now, but there was water, time of Jesus. There was a cave underneath the cliff face. And their, their folklore, their legend was that Baal, the, the demon god, would come in and out underneath the cliff face full of false gods. And that, that cave was called the Gate of Hades. So, on this rock I will build my church. And the Catholics say, oh, on this rock, that must mean Peter is the founder of the church. He may be. I don't know. 
I wasn't there. The Protestants say, oh no, it's not. It's Peter's confession. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's a confession of your faith. It's the foundation of the church. Maybe, might not be, I'm not God. Or is it this? That in this place, which is well known for the Rock of Ages, it's well known, everybody knows it, and they're in a place, there's no place like Caesarea Philippi. It's the epicentre of false worship. That Peter firstly gets a revelation. And isn't that an encouragement to us that doesn't matter what your circumstance today is, you can be in a situation where all around you, you can't even think that God is anywhere near here and you just, it's just littered with darkness and it's just littered with problems and you're thinking, how am I going to get through tomorrow? And in the, don't you find that when you look back over your life as a follower of Jesus, don't you find that there are times when even in the direst, even in the worst situation, you can get a revelation from heaven that God is here. That God is here. And in this place where it's so false, this man, whose name has been changed to courage and strength and firm rock, gets a revelation that Jesus, you want me to tell you who, 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 who I think you are in this place of false religions? Maybe they're near the Rock of Ages, I don't know, but they knew it was there. I'll tell you who you are. You are above everything. You are above this culture of false worship. You are above every atheistic, hedonistic, every polytheistic. You are, you, 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 you are above all of these. There's not one God that can touch you. There's, not one, there's no name that is higher than the name of Jesus. You are high and above and beyond all of this that's around us right now. I feel like I'm, I'm in a place of stinking falseness, but I'm declaring to you that you are the true Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the all and in all and through it all. There is no one like you. You're, you are the son of the living God. And I, where did I get that revelation? Not in, not in, um, uh, um, not in a synagogue. I didn't get that revelation uh, uh, in prayer and fasting. I got that revelation as I'm in this stinking world of falseness. I see you, Jesus, being higher. I'm telling you this, there's no situation, circumstance in your life, no matter how bad it is, yet you can't see Jesus today. And what does he say? And on this rock, is that really Peter? Or is this a case that the encounter at the Rock of Ages was with a disciple called Rock? And... um, is this Jesus saying this? Maybe he's looking at it. Maybe he's visualizing it. But maybe he knows where this revelation 
came from for Peter. That in this circumstance of false religion, Jesus knows where they are exactly where they are, obviously. And he knows that the revelations come from heaven. And maybe Jesus is saying this. And you know what? Shall I tell you where I'm going to build my church? I'm not going to build it over here, away. Let's leave all the false religions over here and all the mess and all the rubbish and all the falseness and all the atheism and all, the, all that kind of stuff. Let's leave it over here. And let, what we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll separate the church from the world. And we'll build church over here and you can be just your holy huddle and just enjoy life. No. What I'm going to do, I'm going to build my church on the rock. And on the place of false worship and in the world of difficulty and a world of problems and a world of circumstances that's so hard and there's beliefs about all kinds of things and there's practices about all kinds of things. I think I'll build my church right on top of it. I'm going to build it there. Where you work, where you live, in your family, I'm going to build it there. I think I'll put my presence and power in places that people think I won't be there. I think I'll put it there. I'm going to build my church through you. I'm going to build my church on places that you don't think I'm going to build in that place. Thirdly, third point of 25. You know Elam preachers preaching threes because we can't think of anything else but three. It's the Trinity number. It feels, feels the right thing. If you ever hear a sermon of, with four points, you know it's not an Elam sermon. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you the keys. Now, if we had a little survey... We could come up with loads of keys to the kingdom. All that you, as a church, you're doing. Prayer, defo, definitely. Prayer is so, worship, definitely. And we'd, we'd come up with a big list. So, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you two. And I'm going to connect it only to Peter. And I'm, 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 I'm taking my imagination to think what, what impacted Peter the most. Give, give me the freedom to, to, to imagine that for a moment. But let me ask you to turn to Acts chapter 5. And let me take you into a moment where Peter's defending the faith with, with the apostles. And, and he's presenting his case, their case, for why they're followers of Jesus and why um, Jesus is the prince and the saviour of the world and he's speaking about repentance and forgiveness and he's, he, he's having a really good preach to the Sanhedrin and in Acts chapter 5 verse 32 Peter says something that I think is a key he says something that is really, really important I think he's learnt and I think it's important for us in the building of the church in Acts 5, verse 32, we are witnesses of these things. What's he talking about? He's done a whole presentation of Jesus, his, his Jesus' death, Jesus' 
resurrection, Jesus' ascension. We are witnesses of these things. We've seen these things. And then he says, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Peter's saying, we've seen it with our own eyes. We've seen Jesus. We've been with Jesus. We've heard Jesus. We've seen the miracles of Jesus. We've seen him die. We saw him rose. We've seen him, the resurrected Jesus. And we saw him leave this earth. We saw him ascend. We can tell you that I witnessed that. Me, Peter, I saw that. And they're wonderful. But that's not good enough for you and me. And it's not good enough for the world in 2022. Otherwise, we'd just be following a religion of somebody who had an experience 2,000 years ago. What good is that? But he doesn't say that. He gives a key. He says, and so is the Holy Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has witnessed what we've witnessed. The Holy, the Holy Spirit has seen far more than we have seen. But he's a witness to Jesus. Now where is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit? Where is he? Where is the Holy Spirit? If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is your birth into the Spirit. If you've been baptised in the Holy Spirit, you've been absolutely drenched in the person, personality. And who the Holy Spirit is, is you're just absolutely overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit who's birthing gifts in your life. Hallelujah! <laughs> I forced that amen out of you. If you say it loud enough, you get it, you get it, you get force it out. It's like a scare. <laughs> amen. <laughs> um... <laughs> um the Holy Spirit inside me. So now let me ask you a question. When I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to be a Christian. Uh, it's hard for you to imagine this because you're so holy. <laughs> but there's been days when I'm thinking, I think I'll join the AOG. <laughs> 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 Sorry, don't write in. But you know when you wake up in the morning? You know when you wake up in the morning and you just, you just don't want to do it? And then you go, after a little while you think, you know what, I'll give it another day. Where do you think that came from? Do you think that you're that good enough? Do you think that you're strong enough? Do you think you've just made that happen? Do you think you can just tell yourself, come on, I can do it? Do you think that's what it is? No, I don't think so. See, I think the Holy Spirit is continually telling you, hey, listen, shut up, will you? I was here at the start of the earth. Start of, listen, I was here when there was nothing. You're telling me that you're feeling like there's, you're feeling empty? <laughs> you're telling me you're feeling empty? I was hovering over empty. I, I wrote the word empty. Don't you tell me you're feeling empty. You're like, I know. I, I, I was brooding over emptiness. You're thinking, oh, nothing's going to change. Listen, look around you. I put everything together. And I'm in you. So constant, constantly, the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. The Holy Spirit speaks to you more than you would acknowledge. He's continually speaking to you. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. 
You can do it. We can do it. He's witnessing to you of who Jesus is. High and lifted. He's the name. He's the name. Keep following. Keep pushing. Keep witnessing. And he's a witness as you go out into the world. The partnership with the Holy Spirit is so, so important. I think, I think the future of any church has to be about this key of the partnership of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is love. See, something that happened to Peter that Peter had to learn, he had to step into it and it was a massive big deal for him. And that was to love people that he didn't like. Now, I know, look around. I mean, I know you... I mean, this, this building is just full of nice people. I mean, just look at the person you sat with. Okay, apart from your spouse. Um, <laughs> but it's just full of lovely people, isn't it? And it's nice when nice people come in. It's nice when they've got nice perfume on and after shave. It's nice, isn't it? But there are people we don't like. I mean, it happens in church. Sometimes there are times, and I'm not this church, but I know the churches. You you don't like some people in church, you know. If they sit in your seat, for example, you know, you sat, that's your your chair. (laughs) Everybody knows it. They sat in your seat. You know, you don't like them then. Um, There are times where it's stretched. But certainly there are people outside the church that we don't like. That's the truth. And that's who we're called to love. There are people very, very different to us. I mean very, very different to us. People who are offensive to us and our church culture that we're called to love. There's people that have hurt us that we're called to love. And, and I can only think of one image to help us in that, and that's a cross. But you see, Peter struggled with all of that until the day when God said to him in Acts 10.15, I don't want you to anymore, Peter, I don't want you calling anybody or anything unclean. I don't want you doing it. Don't call anything unclean. Because I, I, I call clean what you call unclean. Because my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I see things in a far higher you know, when, when, when you got saved, God saw you as a follower of Jesus. God declared you over your life righteousness. He declared his love over your life even before you even knew him. Don't call anything clean, Peter. Because I want you to love people. And I want you to love the people you don't like. I'm going to end with this story. Kim, 
I was flipping through some stories that I have used recently and I came across this powerful story. I just read it and I just just started to um, use it in a couple of settings. And it's, um, for those of us who are old enough to remember the news in 1994, the Rwandan genocide, 800,000 people were mutilated, killed. Just an absolute traumatic, just horrible time for Rwanda. Over 100 days, 800,000. And the, the unbelievable, shocking thing is that the people who were killing one another, firstly, they were neighbours, just like in, in these streets here, living amongst them, each other. So they knew each other, they worked with one another, they lived and shopped together, etc. This is not a nation against nation, this is within. And secondly, vast majority believed in the things that you and I believed in, that believe in. Catholic, believed in God, incarnation of Jesus. Um, it's shocking. Now here comes a story uh, throughout all of that brutality of a woman who had a, a dream one night. She was actually nursing a lot of bitterness and grievance. She really, really, I mean, to, if she could get hold of her son's killer, she would, have, she would have taken her son's killer's life, without a doubt. And she has a dream one night as she goes to bed carrying that hate, that hate, inside her of what's happened to her and she has a dream and she's going down in the dream she's going down the street and she sees a house and um, she knows it's the house of her enemy and God says to her I want you to go into the house and she says I'm not going to go into the house and he says go into the house and she goes into the house and as she steps into the house she sees a staircase and he says go up to the, up the staircase she says I'm not going up the staircase so she goes up the staircase when she gets to the top of the staircase, it opens up to her, a big vista, and she realizes that she's in heaven. And she has this revelation, and the revelation was this that the path to heaven goes through the house of your enemy. Two days later, there's a knock on the door. There's a man at the door and he's shaking uncontrollably and he's saying, do with me whatever you want to do with me because I am your son's killer. Hand me over to the authorities if that's what you want to do, but I can't cope with the guilt anymore. But because she had a revelation that the, the pathway to heaven goes through the house of her enemy, she said to him, I'm not going to do that to you. Instead, I'm going to bring you into my house and you will now become my son. And you will sit at my table where my son sat and you will be my son at the table and I will feed you. And in fact, you are the same size as my son and so you will take his clothes and you will be clothed by me. And even to this day, she still has that adopted son with her. Why? Because she had this revelation that the pathway to heaven goes through the house of the enemy. 
there is a key to the kingdom around the whole subject of love that we are to explore which is the other side of hurt and pain. But I find that we don't want to break through because the hurt and pain, it wants to divide, separate, push us back, tell us to run away, and we become less than we were ever created to be. But when you push through hurt and pain, you become like the one that you've been following all your life, Jesus. And you find there is a revelation and there is a heaven awaiting you on the other side. These two revelations that Peter had of partnership with Spirit and not calling anyone unclean were keys for his life. And I do believe they are keys to the kingdom. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Build your church. Build it through us. And in the place where I work and where I live and where I do my life. Help me to partner with you, to hear your voice. Witness to me as I witness in the world. And let me love where it looks impossible. Help me. Just take a few moments just to respond yourself right now. Just where you are. Just make a prayer response in your own heart as I hand back to Phil. Oh, Isaac. Just make that prayer response.